oftentimes it's minds talking to minds. And of course now is as you would you you more than anybody like embodiment, intuition, there's there's a grand resurgence and return to wait, what we eat, the earth, what it feels like, the deep knowing that's been here the whole time, that um even the idea that well so and so is intelligent. Why? Because they did well in the SAT and got into an Ivy League school. Yeah, but they're deeply cut off from their own life. Welcome to Jess on the Mountain, a podcast about yoga, chakras, and becoming your own guru. I'm Jess Goulding, and today I'm thrilled to have with us a guest that I've admired for a very long time. A friend clued me into his podcast, The Robcast, in circa 2015, and I've listened ever since. I've seen him live here twice in Austin, and I always appreciate his candid style, self-reflections, teachings, and genuine laugh at all things life. He has evolved from a megachurch pastor to a world-renowned heretic, questioning some of the ways today's Christian religion has been teaching things that actually go against spirit and scripture and proposing that the world, that God, is much more about love than damnation, and heaven and hell can be found right here on earth. His book, Love Wins, catapulted him into the greater public eye in 2011, when he was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. He's been interviewed by Oprah, quoted by Brene Brown, and he's here today to talk about his new book, Where'd You Park Your Spaceship?, This is a work of fiction that's far out and full of universal experiences and themes. Even if you haven't read the book, which I hope you decide to do, I know you'll benefit greatly from the discussion that we have about patterns, perception of others, the creative process, dealing with grief, and how stories emerge. You may not be writing a book like he is, but you are writing the book of your life which is our greatest chakra one, two, and three endeavor. And that's how I want you to listen to this interview. I hope our conversation inspires you to consider your own patterns and projections. And as always, you can start with the three-question quickie quiz or the chakra check-in self-assessment. Both of these will give you access to my video guide, as well as my favorite tools for balancing and harmonizing in every chakra. They are linked to in my show notes and can be found at jessgoulding.com slash podcast. Stay through to the end to learn how to get the first 100 pages free and start this intriguing new book, Where'd You Park Your Spaceship? And now our season two finale with Rob Bell. Welcome, Rob Bell. That's great to be with you. It is an honor to have you here. Really so great. I've been listening to you. I think I discovered you, your first, com- the first conversation I heard you had was with your wife, Kristen Bell, about Zum Zum. Oh. Okay. Or the Zhuzh. <laughs> yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. So I have had the privilege of seeing several different Rob Bells over the years. <laughs> and I think um, this is really good timing. I'm really happy to talk to this particular Rob Bell. This particular Rob Bell is creating his own mountain. Right. You are um, really embodying the manifesting current. So we have two currents within us, a liberating current and a manifesting current. The manifesting current is where we go from spirit, ideas, um, everything out in the ethers, and they come through the grosser and grosser vibrations towards the earth. And so when you talk about having woken up in a dream and somebody's saying to somebody else, where'd you park your spaceship? That is seventh chakra. That is Sahasrara, this connection to all this, this what? And then it, and then there's a pattern that takes form and then it gets to be communicated and it funnels through the heart, through your will, through the creative bowl, and then out in the world. So in case you didn't know, that's what just happened (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in chakra language. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to um, let our listeners hear what that experience feels, sounds, looks like to you, if that's our kind of frame of reference. 
do you see that? Or what is your frame of reference for this creative process where ideas come out in the world? Yeah, you know, uh, the world I came from, you you put in the work. You, you, what would you say? You muster it up. You reach down deep and you put in the hours. Very American, very sort of masculine energy, very, well, you know, every morning I'm at my desk and, uh, and gradually I have come to see what that is, where that comes from, lineage, the free market, all the different, all the different places and found myself the, the gift of unknowing, like letting go of all the attachments and all of the credit and all of the clinging and grasping of look what I did. And, and in some senses, the creative process, making things has become much more almost interviewing it when it's on its way in. Who are you? What are you? Oh, what, what shape, tux, texture, color? Oh, look, oh, you're kind of feisty, interesting. Let's go with that. So I'm much, much more comfortable with the stillness that's fine waiting, the empty spaciousness the wide open field with apparently nothing in it, but that nothing's a something. And if you're just present, then things arise and have almost have their own energy, own life force. And you're just, just watching them come to life. So this one was like middle of the night. I, I somewhere between awake and a dream, something lucid. I, this guy's asking this guy, where'd you park your spaceship? And I distinctly remember thinking, well, how does he feel about this question? It's like from the get go, it was like, huh, well, obviously then we just follow it. Well, how does he, how does the guy feel about this question? Oh, he does not like this question. Why? Well, he's a series five. What's his name? He and grew bears. Um, so I'm in the clothes closet the next morning or a couple mornings later, just because it kept happening, making notes about this story that just keeps coming. And it just, okay, well, then what happens before that? Well, then what happens immediately following him asking that question? And here's what I think is fascinating. The story, and I keep filling in like this notebook, and the story is like like concentric circles. It's growing before that question and after that question. And eventually, when the book comes out, I come, I'm reading through it, like one of the versions, one of the versions of like print. And I get to the question and I hold it up and the question is, it happens like right in the middle. So even the sense of spatially how the story was sort of expanding within my center is tactically, kinesthetically, when you hold the book, the questions, which I, I mean, those are the kinds of things where everything is taught, everything is, everything is everything else. Everything's talking to everything. And yeah. And then yeah, there was a it, massive, massive, moment of per series of permission giving which is the trap of being doing the work that i did where you kind of go around the world heading out permission slips is i needed one i i needed to give myself i was almost like can i just follow the story and start typing yeah. I, which that there was something very tender and childlike about I know that this is what you help other people do, but you really need it yourself. You had to rob yeah. bell yourself. Yeah. 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 yeah well, I mean, you've touched on so many things that, that came to my mind that I wanted to also talk about. Um, just the fact that, I mean, it was so satisfying when the line, where'd you park your spaceship arrives? It's like, finally, somebody said the thing that, you know, like when the, when the movie finally says the title, there's something very satisfying about that. <laughs> So anyway, it's funny to me also because um, this whole circle thing, this yeah yeah yeah, it's like um, I the whole first part of this book to me is a brain scrambler. Like we're supposed to just let go of everything we've ever assumed, and uh, I don't understand these names. I don't know what anybody looks like, and I have an idea of how time goes. You're gonna call years laps, but they're not years. Years are linear, laps are circular. And then they have to, yes, he goes through tunnels, which are circular. He goes to this circular land of cylinders where everything's circular, which 
I mean, and then when you describe from the center going out concentrically, it, it, it makes a lot of sense because there is no time in this book. Honestly, uh, three-fourths of the way through, I'm like, is he 18 or 40? I really can't tell. You know, like how, I mean, he's like growing and changing, but he's still got a lot of blind spots, you know, just his innocence. Kind of like everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, these, these, uh, this circular thing, I want to, I want to hit on this a little bit because there's so much, I'm wondering if you meant to scramble our brains because these tunnels that you took us through were like, it's a little bit like Willy Wonka. It's a little bit like the first of the five Tibetan rites where you just spin and spin and spin and get better at it. So your brain kind of, you're having to rewire in order to accept the whole rest of the book, which then I'm like, okay, I'm on board. You scrambled my brain. I don't know anything. So does, how much did this going forward and back from that circle, was that intentional? Like this uh, pulling into tunnels, just it flowed, but what are your thoughts from there? Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a, there's a moment early on when he's telling you about in class, they're learning about the brown balling of the earth. It's the earth unit. And this kid Eppers raises his hand to set the teacher up just to hear the teacher say brown ball again. <laughs> but then he goes into this riff about how Eppers wears the color orange every day. And Eppers dad showed up one day and that's, that's just a hat on a hat. That's rugs on rugs. That, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. But there was something about describing how Eppers wears orange every day. And then Eppers dad shows up at school that I knew this isn't about anything else but just straight up world building, just uh, the play of the, the very nature of perception is it's selective. Like we see what we want to see and mo pretty much what we're doing with each other is we all are a projector and everybody else is a screen and we're just taking whatever's inside of us and just showing these movies all day long going, that's, her, that's him. No, you probably just told us more about yourself than you did about them. So there was something about the the joy of letting this world just be how it's arranged that uh, was something about it's it's something about the nature of reality is it's way more malleable than and than anybody realizes solid things desks chairs bones are made of atoms which are clouds of possibilities but 99% of an atom is empty space so rocks are mostly empty space but like actually the nature of reality is as a as a perception as more than it is like an actual thing and mm -hmm. that was i mean the power of literature but the 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 real joy of the story is yeah well, they're not years. They're called laps because they're laps around. The, there's two suns, but there's a bunch. But they're like, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it, and I kept noticing it was accessing emotion. My own subconscious was being activated in all sorts of extraordinary ways. Like I was accessing grief and wonder and angst. That right. I did like it was somehow opening me up all this. So um would you say that getting out of that kind of linear thinking helps get into the mishmash of subconscious and emotions and like is that just like a just a simple step to the side out of this progression that we're all part of? Right. And you think about what we would call whatever growth or expansion in consciousness. Basically, something that was unconscious becomes conscious. I'm like, oh my God, I have been doing that. That is a pattern in my life. Oh, I do react that way. So essentially, what all of a sudden, what has been, what has had its hands on the steering wheel, suddenly we can see the hands. Yeah. We can see what it was. Oh, that started when I was 13. I can see exactly where that started. And I can see how that's been a pattern in relationships. I can see how it's affected how I handle money. I can see how, whatever those moments are when we go, oh, um, so what we're in that moment saying is the subconscious, the unconscious, that which we aren't aware of has been playing a major role in who we are, so, which is yeah. just always a 
fascinating, fascinating what even it means to be a self, what we're aware of, what we aren't, what's in the shadow, what as soon as the light is shining into the shadow, it's no longer a shadow. This is all, yeah, like at the heart, like human beings are absolutely fascinating. It's what a thing. What yeah. a thing to be us. And what you was... make up an entirely different world on a bunch of other planets. And strangely enough, you can see your own self with a new kind of clarity, which is just the upside down, backwards, lovely thing about it. it yeah, it's fun to watch him kind of come to terms with that. And he, you know, he's the noticer. He notices things. His job is to notice. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm like loving, this is all so very sixth chakra. Like this is where we see clearly where we see patterns. Um, so you had me hook like right away. Cause he says like, we, we do the earth unit because we're looking for patterns. That's yes. why. And then he's the one that notices patterns. So his whole job is to go around and notice patterns, but he doesn't, he doesn't get to talk about the um real stuff he has to talk about the details he has to report on the how thick jackets are and how many chairs are in a room he doesn't until he gets to furthest it's like he doesn't get to notice so i love that i love that he's he muses on he he thinks he might be the best person in the universe at this job but then ever so gradually he starts to wonder if wow i have mad i am so numb i have so much grief i think maybe i'm really good at my job because I'm very stunted in my, I'm, I'm, I'm so standing at a distance from my own life because of my grief. So he's beginning to, I notice, but I don't see. Yes. And then he begins to something about Furtis. He finds himself involved in all these people around him. Like, like you said, he's suddenly like seeing things and realizing that can't go in a report. All the stuff that actually matters I thought I was helping run, hold the universe together, but all the stuff that matters, I can't tell. <laughs> it's kind of devastating. It. It's really <laughs> devastating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and even even going back to your question about the, the way things get created, I distinctly remember thinking there has to be enough time or, or enough pages that you've actually been with him long enough that this unraveling, you have to have been with him long enough to feel it. As opposed to explaining how people unravel. No, this is a feeling that only happens if you go with this person over a number of laps and then catch up with him way, way down the road. Um, so there was, there was a very real, like, will people even find that interesting? Will people even stick around? Um, all those things that come with creating, uh, this just may be a thing, Rob, that you think is interesting, but actually somebody holding this book for the amount of hours it will take. Um, and my, my work for 30 years was so much around explaining, direct explaining. Jess, here's what I'm explaining to you. Here are examples. Here are illustrations. Now I'm going to tell you what I just told you. Now I'm going to tell you how you can apply it. Now I'm going to tell you. Now I'm going to do a third version of what I just told you, just in case you missed it on the first two, just to make it was like, uh, Rob, we don't have to do that anymore. We can just tell the story and everything will be in the story. Okay. So you're hitting on something else I wanted to talk about. So those, you know, your sermons and beautiful talks. Um, any kind of creativity needs a structure, right? So you, you there's a pattern to a sermon. There's a pattern to a yoga class. Mm -hmm. And it really, you know, you can, one of my favorite phrases is, you know, the tighter the box, the greater the creativity. Mm -hmm. so some rules yeah. on something and then something else can emerge. Um, something more interesting can emerge. Um, I used to, in my former days, I was a choreographer and the most amazing movement I was able to create was two people back to back. That was the only rule. They had to stay glued back to back. And so they ended up coming up with stuff I never would have come up with because we put this rule. Yeah, right, right, right. So this book, what did you have rules? What are the rules here? Because there's a lot of arrangements. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. But for you, did you have rules to tighten this box that created a galaxy? 
all I there were a couple of things I knew were going to happen. A guy was going to at some point he would be at a bake working in a bakery and then some he would meet this guy. And there were a couple like almost signposts way up ahead. Other than that, that is one of the reasons that it was so God, like a almost a, a hinge of my life, like a juncture, like made everything feel like a warm up for this. Is it yeah. was so I had no idea. It was such new territory that I didn't have other than it has to feel it has to feel a certain way. And I don't I don't know how well I can even explain that other than somebody is starting to feel He's been numb. He's starting to feel, but the first thing he's feeling is not joy, wonder, euphoria. It's irritation, annoyance, and supernatural irritation at this guy who has this presumed familiarity with him and has all these weird speech patterns. It, it, and that for me, just for all those years of explaining, to be navigating by, it was like a thing I'd done before, but not really. It was like new, but unnew, not new. Um, and to navigate by a whole different set of signposts was like a whole new thing. One of my favorite things that stood out, and you mentioned it briefly, was a man has to die to all the could-bes. <laughs> yeah. All those <laughs> options, all those possibilities, all the places he could go and the things he could do. And there's a there's a lot of grief in this book. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to say no to other things, there's like a grieving of, oh, I could do this or I could do this, which if you don't make a choice, you're you're going to go nowhere. You're just going to stay still. Right, right, right. Did you have to do a lot of that to come to this book? I know that you had to kind of let go of an old way of deciding what is success or what do yeah. I do with this project or this yeah. is all new. So taking away could be's is, is really brave. Um, because often they're the sure thing too. I could do this. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But you already did your sure thing. Yeah. I feel like my life is one long succession of all the deaths that bring new life. Mm -hmm. All the no's because of yeses. Which is pattern absolutely yeah absolutely so i know that your um dad recently passed mm -hmm. which i'm sorry i mine too so mm. welcome to the club it's yeah you not a fun this. club um but it was interesting to me to see that what happens with with couples when one goes what happens to the other one mm-hmm and there's, of course, a pattern there, but, um, you know, his mom is the one that suffers an accident, but it is his dad that he really loses. And then he has another loss later, a loss of love. And these are the things that come together to make him numb, right? To start shutting things down. And so when he says... Uh, I've had one loss. I've had two losses. I can't have another loss. And he, well, I don't, I don't want to do spoiler alert, but can I say in the spaceship, he finds the kid. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he doesn't have to have, he doesn't, he doesn't have that loss, but there's something to how much loss can we take? How much, how, what is that process of numbing and for him, it's love that wakes him back up, love of all these people and that sense of belonging. This is a, a big book about belonging. This is a big book about what people want. Mm -hmm. And so when you, in the very beginning, we're introduced to a character who has lost at a young amount of laps. Um, I, I guess I just can't help but wonder how much is of this story was coming as part of your own grieving process of past work 
human life. There's a lot of autobiography in here that I recognize. A number of my friends said this right away when they read like first drafts. They 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 were like, "This is this is the most personal, intimate thing you've ever done." Yeah. <laughs> and I and I would have days writing, I would find myself like just weeping. There are scenes I was just finished recording the audiobook and okay. got wrecked multiple times. There are there are things I still can't read. Two years. I started writing it two years ago. There are things, there are a lot number of scenes. I can't read them without just floodgates. And I can kind of get at it and kind of no idea why it has that kind of power. <laughs> what, like what it's speaking, I can kind of get my mind around what the, what it's speaking to. Mm -hmm. I am giving expression to something so pre-rational pre-post transrational yeah uh-huh i imagine that's why it's touching so many people yeah it's it's i mean i i was i would read it and i'm touched emotionally but i couldn't even put words as to why yeah. there's there's just something to this world it's like he's an observer for the rest of us of us yeah yeah and i i, I yeah you you saying that like i am the emotion of hearing you say that. And I noticed the first couple of friends who read it would be like, I can't talk about it yet. And I, I would be like, well, this is an interesting twist in life that this thing that I've been living with all alone each day, that's somehow doing something to me that I can't even put into words. That's so feels like everything that I did was chapter one. And this is now chapter two. Like something's happening in my life about what it means to be human and emotion and the mind and the intellect. And like I played out something with the intellect. My son calls it New York Times brain. There's something about the culture that I grew up in and, the, and how it prized the intellect. And I can see now culturally the intellect is how you can avoid the pain of life. Um, and even the particular religious tradition I came out of the, uh, the Protestant Reformation was 95 Thesis. What did we do with the pain of life? We put lists of things on doors. Um, and you you know, you know just think about, like, we all love NPR, but you just think about, hey, have you read so-and-so or so, have you seen so-and-so's TED Talk? There's new research out of Stanford. Love it. Great. All for it. But it's just minds, oftentimes it's minds talking to minds. And of course now, is as you would, you you more than anybody, like, embodiment intuition there's there's a grand resurgence and return to wait what we eat the earth what it feels like the deep knowing that's been here the whole time that um even the idea that well so-and-so is intelligent why because they did well in the sat and got into an ivy league school yeah but they're deeply cut off from their own life so even just the there's a number of things that I, I know are present in me that I am what, liberating from, healing from, that I'm understanding. How, it's almost like the fish that's up, drag, drag it up on the beach and then go, that's water. You've been swimming at the whole time. That's water? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so this, this book and the something about this world and these people and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um and I can talk about it and there's nothing to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because sometimes it's just not enough, and so yeah. silence will fill that just fine. Um, but I I grew up in the same tradition, mm -hmm. Protestant. Um, I had a good. Oh, well, I was half Catholic, half Protestant, so I was all confused. And at some point, I had to make a choice. I wanted to make a choice because I felt like I had a voice in this world, and I had something I wanted to say. I wanted to talk about spirit. I wanted to um, share what I felt like I deeply knew, even before I was too old to feel like you should say anything. And um, yoga gave me that. Um, ah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and but it's it's still there. It's background ram. Um, but what you have been for so many people is a great conversation, a great speaker, a great teller of what we're thinking in this whole deconstruction. 
that's happening on the microcosm and macrocosm. Talk about themes of the book, the micro and the macro. Like we each have our own little deconstruction and then the whole world deconstruction. Earth didn't make it, but we're all going through these patterns. And so I've probably had three or four construction, yeah, yeah, disillusion, yeah. construction. Yeah. And I, I don't know that it'll ever end. I would love to arrive at a place. I would love to say, and I'm done. Like, I've got it. Um, so when I get to talk to you, who's like kind of been on the, you know, on the cusp of it, like out on the field, like, is there a, here it is. I mean, don't we get to at some point be done with this pattern? You begin to in you begin to enjoy, not just make peace with the pattern, but actually enjoy it as the thing itself. I just think, like, if you take a picture of an atom, of the building block of everything we know to be everything, and then you take a picture of an atom a second later, you'll have a different atom because of all the things that are coming and going from the atom. So solid, solidity is actually an illusion. Like, just give me some solid ground. That itself would be an illusion. So when you lean into this, like, can't I just arrive? Uh, the arrival won't look like what you think of as an it, There will be an arrival, but it still will be arrival at movement, and you'll be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting fine with it. Those, those times um, of aridity where... Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. nothing calling me to create, but I want to create, but there's nothing asking to be created. Yeah. The times of like, I, yeah. I'm connected to spirit, but I'm not really feeling it. And then just making yeah. peace that that time will pass. Absolutely. So, uh, and some senses growth is like a spiral. And so for many people, oh, I've, I'm dealing with this again. It feels like I thought I'd gotten through this, but the spiral, no, you're dealing with it it has a whole new layer of subtlety and nuance. Can you see it? Oh, so we're back here again, but we aren't who we were. And it, it's got invitations to subtlety, nuance, and texture and color that weren't there before. And if the, if, if you can come to see it as a playing field, or you can come to see it as the game we're playing, then it all starts to have like a lightness, like, Oh, 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 this character keeps showing up in my life and they, provoke me, trigger me, irritate me in this particular way. Only look at this advance. This this person's like, they're way better at it than earlier people. It takes me a second to catch what they're showing me about myself. Or... Yeah, what they're showing me about myself. <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah. even just, uh, yes, the, the person yeah. who angers you the most is your teacher. Mm -hmm. We get that. And then the next time someone comes around to, why did they teach her? You're, 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 you're just getting that much quicker at examining the thought, noticing, well, how, how are they my teacher? We're not even like surprised. We're just, yeah, this is my teacher. I'll, I'll know, I'll know what they're here to teach me. Uh, Cause wow, do they elicit something strong within me? Whew. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And rather than denying that we, you go towards mm -hmm. it, like with mm -hmm. wisdom, you just go, ah, there's something upsetting me. I'm going to go towards the disruption rather yeah. than away from it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're uh, you're holding it looser and lighter and looser and lighter, which is how you could actually get to the love and compassion and all of that. Um, but mm. yeah, 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 that's how that's that's how it works. <laughs> all right, you brought up love. Okay, I'm gonna throw an old circa 2018 Rob Bell quote at you. Oh, this will be interesting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want more people to have a sense that they are loved. That the grace of God is real and it's for them. That they can have a certain kind of life. And in response, they say, well, what can I do? And they find their calling. They find the thing that gets them up in the morning they find their work, their trade, their task, their art that says, man, I could do this forever. <laughs> Isn't that true? What you're doing now 
and what you're doing for others. My goodness. Earlier me, earlier me talking to this me or this me. Earlier me, me. Yeah. Earlier you set this intention. Yeah. 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 Does it feel like this is where you are now? That you're helping people know that they are loved and to find the thing that they love and then oh. go do it? Kind of always felt like that. Yeah, kind of always felt like that. How is it different by doing it in this form, though? It, this is a novel. This is I what everybody know. takes from it, what they want. You're not explaining to somebody how to go do the thing. Right, right. So I can see like that. Yeah, you it, you can't skip. Like you have to be all the all the U's to get there. Like the 2018, the 2013, the 2003, the 2020, the 2000. Had to be all the Robs to be here talking to you about where'd you park your spaceship. <laughs> That's interesting. When you read that, I immediately, I'm like, Oh, look at that guy. Just giving it everything he's got. Look like, cause, yeah, you remember what that felt like to say it and feel it. And, and even just, I love the earnest, like, Oh, I just want people to, I just want like, just, he's just, yeah. Oh, look at him. Yeah. Calling. I can't I'm, that's, that's surprising me that I was using that word. It's interesting. Um, and yeah and now I'd be like yeah that'd be awesome if you had like something you woke up in the morning a craft or a trade and then you might wake up the next morning and be like okay I'm done with that now I'm gonna find another one who knows that's <laughs> like, scary yeah I could see even the lightness even now of, of like that's great that's great you also I sit with lots of people who've been doing who did that did it for 17 years and now they're like what you talk the arid like something's ending I'm not mm -hmm. oh well Perhaps there's a whole new thing to try. <laughs> I yeah. also know that 2018, he would have heard us talking and would have, I would have told that one, hey, this is what we're going to do in 2023. It would have been like, oh my God, that's awesome. Are you serious? Would he have gotten impatient to get there? I was just going to say, that's why we don't get, that's why we don't learn. We don't want the future. We don't want the future because then you'd either be, heartbroken or you'd be impatient you'd be yeah. like wait don't tell me so-and-so what happens to so-and-so i don't want to know that or you'd just be like can we just get there now so you gotta just step by step lap by lap lap by lap laps take <laughs> as long as lap's gonna take <laughs> and you don't know how long a lap is oh that's funny you just don't i did notice right like you said about a novel is ecology governance grief what even is a self like it depends on uh, that that is it is you're totally correct it's an entirely different playing field just simply mm -hmm. tell a story well it and, goes at a different part of our brain too like oh it i i mean it gets in there what people pick up on how we interpret uh it makes the a and, and, and fine, if I go to the doctor, I really would like the doctor to diagnose correctly and tell me why my ear, I just got an ear infection from surfing and like I needed, I went to the urgent care and like I needed somebody to like be an authority. Um, mm -hmm. But wow, a story where everybody is interpreting and seeing what they see is just so exponentially more fascinating. Well, and it, it kind of occurred to me as I was reading it that you are, that it is part of the tradition of parables. This is like yeah, all the parables. 500 parables duct taped together. I know. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I <laughs> kind of, the, I, I had a little book club about this um, and, and it, it just, it created some really rich conversation. And one of the questions that came from this book club, shout out to Lori for coming and spending time with me. Hi, uh it was did the did the did the stories need a form and the stories like the uh i'm sorry the like the truths the teachings did they just need a form that came out in the book or did the book come because it wanted to explain these stories i do you see how there's a two different ways yeah. at it i don't know that i'm explaining yeah. it very well well, I know, I know exactly her question, because when you see a movie, 
that is too on the nose, we all roll our eyes. Like the Disney movie that is like the after school special where it's like, uh, make good friends because bad friends will be a bad influence. You're like, oh God. So we, we say it was too on the nose. It was too, when you can already see where the thing is going, mm-hmm. we check out because it, we would say it's too heavy handed. It's too literal. It's too paint by numbers. We, we have a, like a strong revulsion against that. A story only works at some level if, if it completely surrenders any need to make a point. And then I, I get to decide if what the points are. There's something we do very intuitively about. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if this, if you smelled, I was actually using this to make a point. It only worked, which was why the musculature for me was so powerful was I had to set aside, like none of the earlier musculature worked, which is what is the thing I'm trying to explain here. Um, It had to be this story that I was following. And then I kept noticing my, God, Rob, your characters make speeches. And I was like, yeah, they do. And that's fine. That's fine. And I think some of the speeches, I, I quite like some of the speeches and they're, some of them are even a little te- they're teachy. But I was like, yeah, but I, I know I came by it honestly. Like when Borns gives his A Man Must Die speech, like, yeah, this guy, he really did live on a hut on this volcanic planet and read tons of books when he was hiding out from the chairs. And he actually did accumulate all this funny wisdom. And he is a baker and you find out later his wife's a doctor. That's why he's a baker. Cause she said, you're going to have like, it really was just story. And then all these bits and pieces of my stuff started to come through. But, but I, I knew that it was surprising me what was coming out of their mouths as opposed to, I set it up to, this is a sermon, everybody. I just added some characters to it, which is gross. Um, yeah. It did it not feel, from- yeah. It didn't feel like yeah, that at sure. all. It felt like an emergence that these all these yeah. things are swimming around in you and then they they come out and the, and the form comes as yeah. the stories emerge. Right, right. And and Lori's question is great because it's very I don't know like when he when this when he there's a book at this bookstore that's she has locked up the owner of the bookstore and he's like I haven't seen a he hadn't seen a, he only seen a lock a couple of times. So you get all these hints that there's no cell phones or cars in the whole book like um, yeah. and he discovers the writings of the Skolnick who describes this place on earth with millions. And he's like, what? Um, I have a friend of mine is Adam Skolnick who did walk down sunset Boulevard in LA and do a whole piece on what his experience that like, that is a thing. Um, but all of a sudden I'm like writing in an actual thing, not to make a point about Los Angeles, but it was Keen's discovery of, Oh, essentially, he grew up in a form of fascism that was like, yeah, there are no homeless because we get rid of anything. It's a problem. Um, And he encounters this chaotic, I don't know who's in control, everyone thing. And I could see working out the very right now, like around the world, the the allure of these fascist dictator authoritarian regimes that come in and are just like we'll fix these problems um, and all the things that are most causing people ache about the present chaos of the world. Yeah, we could clean those up, but then you'd have a different set of things causing you like human rights would take a beating literally. So it's like you're working something out very personally and, and it's not a teaching, but it is in the story, but it is, you know what I mean? Like all that. It's very, it's, I don't even get it. Don't and, get it. And your reader's only going to pick up what seed is yes. already planted in their head. Right. Which right. is so they can slide over the top yeah. of all that. Yeah. And then get the, but they'll pull out. So, I, mean, I imagine every conversation you've had about this book has been different according to what the person saw. I can't, the obscure character side character side character who i think would be side character somebody will be like what one guy just said Keen's mother uh like he uses he sees these this image of a ship and somebody's working on the outside of a ship and then they are just connected by a rope and they become untethered and 
he started crying because of his mother's death two years ago. Because the word, he said, your word untethered there. Like one word for somebody it took them way into their... Yeah. Uh, an, another woman, her child has uh, learning emotional challenges and took a whole thing like... Just, it's just very, very, very moving to see what we see in stories. When we were talking about the grief part, I def I tend to kind of push through, right? A conversation we didn't mm -hmm. really go. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about the gravity. The gravity of that, that he was looking around at everybody jumping on trampolines and seeing himself as separate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all jumping and he's like they have they have a lightness which which is it kind of it was part of the brain scrambling piece of the book which was like well, I don't know this planet, maybe there is less gravity. Like is this for <laughs> real? Or and then he's recognizing that it that it has a weight to it that there's um something that has changed in him. And mm -hmm that led to the numbing um, and then the ability to love again. I don't know. I wanted to talk about the gravity of grief because I myself feel a little separated from it. So mm -hmm. I want to see if there were more conversations you've had about that sensation, or even just like how after, after you lose someone, the whole world looks stupid and wrong. Like why, mm -hmm. I like I remember sitting at a bar. So I was in I was in New York for September 11th. I was a bartender, and we were fairly close to the area, although we weren't open at the time. And then I didn't lose anybody. There was nothing personal, but a year later on the anniversary, I'm bartending, and I'm like, "What are these people doing here? Don't they remember what? How how can you just like go out and have beers right now? This is this seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Why is this not weighing or?" Like right after losing someone, then how can, how can you just go mow your lawn? I don't understand your behavior right now. And that's who I saw when he's looking at them, like, how can you just jump on trampolines? And then he's seeing, oh, they have a lightness. I can't even really explain, Rob, exactly why it affected me. But yeah. that, that word gravity is what got me. Yeah, yeah. And... Gravity depends on your, like, actual gravity depends on your proximity to a large mass. So the farther you are from the center of the Earth, the less gravity. Clocks run faster on top of a mountain than down in a valley. Um, so time and gravity have a really interesting dance. I, It's most helpful for me to think about grief in, in terms of waves. And it, it comes and it passes through you. And like uh, when you're surfing, there are sets, and then the ocean's calm. Sometimes you're just sitting there for a minute, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, a set comes through, and it's like three or four waves. You're like, whoa. Sometimes you go out, it's just like solid waves. Like you just paddle out, catch one, come in, paddle out. Yesterday, it was a long period, so you'd sit for like a couple of minutes with nothing happening. And then all of a sudden, a big set would come through. <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes you are mowing the lawn. Hmm. So and so died. They're not with us anymore. You have you carry them around in your heart. They're with you always. You're mowing the lawn. You haven't thought about them in a couple days. Other times, a song comes on and the radio, and you're wrecked. I can. There's a song that was sang at the end of my dad's funeral. It's some old. I think it's like a hymn. I'd never heard it. I found it on Spotify the other day. Played it in california driving down the street near my house just wreck just tears like i was in the front row at the funeral service mm -hmm. yet today i my dad's the happy buddha he's with me he's loving this he doesn't have a lot of this interview he's like what the what are you talking about but i love it man i love it love the spirit part of the art of what you're talking about is noticing very carefully the self the self-inquiry of your thoughts about i should be grieving no, you're not. You're, you're not. You're not. Like, mm. don't add. Don't pick a war with reality. I'm not grieving today. Okay. I should be. No. You don't. 
No, you shouldn't be. That's weird. You know what I mean? You'll know when you just be open. You'll be fine. It means the world to talk about the story with someone like you who's really entered into it. It gives me all kinds of new things to think about. Will you finish the way I ask all my guests to finish? I don't and that know. would well, yeah, you're right. I don't know what I'm getting myself into here. Um, it's just one finishing this sentence, which is the thing I feel like saying right now is unknowing is your friend. You start there. You'll know what to do, what to say, how to move. It will be clear. Hmm. But start with, I have no idea. And yeah. then listen and wait. And then you'll know. Thank you. I'll take that. This has been a delight. Thank you, Rob Bell. Wonderful. Thank you for having me on. And everybody hi can all get your listeners. Yes. Hi, hi. And everybody can get a download of the first hundred pages. Is that what I? Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 On my site. You can get the first hundred pages if you want. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to see all your artwork and things that you're doing on Instagram, especially. So <laughs> I know you're creative cat. It's fun to watch. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So what are your takeaways? Are you ready to read the book? Are you excited to delve deeper into the chakras as an elegant and useful framework to consider all the themes we covered in this conversation? As Rob mentioned, there is a resurgence of embodiment happening as we recognize our need to balance the stuff of the mind with the stuff of the heart and body. As we celebrate the end of season two, I'm offering my online course, Embodiment, for 50% off with the coupon BASE, B-A-S-E, because we arrived at the base of the mountain. The link to jessgoulding.com slash embodiment is also in the show notes. And while you're there, be sure and take the quickie quiz or self-assessment. It's a great time to start reflecting on your own story from root to crown and back again. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, for season one and season two. I'm going to take a little break and consider our next focus, and I plan to return in the new year, so stay tuned. Please also, if you would, take a moment and subscribe, leave a review for this podcast, and visit me anytime on that podcast page, jessgoulding.com slash podcast. You can leave a suggestion or a question that will help guide our next season together. And also be sure and visit robbell.com slash book slash spaceship to get those first 100 pages of Where Do You Park Your Spaceship. It's a crazy, comforting, and inspiring ride. That's at robbell.com slash book slash spaceship. May you reflect on your personal life story every day. And may you be an active creator in the direction and expression of your one beautiful life. Much love.